And now we arrive at the high watermark of the evening's festivities. Bringing you the latest happenings across the world of sports. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. Let's begin the show by starting it. Uh, this is going to be good. Good evening, America, and welcome to Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow here all across Sports Map Radio. Coming to you coast to coast and worldwide from our network studios here in Houston, Texas. As we got a lot to get to over the next few hours, appreciate you hanging with us. Coming up, let's talk about the leadership in the NBA. Plus, also... Speaking of which, is there some sort of culture problem with the Dallas Cowboys? And, let me clear my throat. throat) Uh, Also, we're off to a strong start tonight. Also, uh, what is the ultimate team sport? Because there's a cliche about a certain sport. But I don't know if uh, that's necessarily the case. I'll explain what I mean in about 15 minutes. we got a lot to do throughout the evening. Lee Steinberg will join us later on, the NFL super agent who represents Patrick Mahomes after the Chiefs' latest Super Bowl victory. We'll talk about that with Lee later on. Got plenty to do this evening, and appreciate you hanging with us. You can always get in touch with the show. Find me on Twitter, at Moro on the mic, M-A-U-R-O on the mic. You can always text the show, 346-298-1260. You can always call the show, 1-800-224-2004. And you can always email the show as well, sportsmaptonight at gmail.com. The ratings are in from the NBA All-Star Weekend. And while Saturday was the highest-rated All-Star Saturday in the NBA in four years, the All-Star Game was the second-least-watched All-Star Game in NBA history. The least-watched All-Star Game ever, that was last year. So we've had the lowest-watched All-Star games in the NBA the last two years. In fact, going back to the 90s compared to now, over the past about 25, 30 years, the NBA has actually lost, I think it's 80% of their viewership for the All-Star games over that period of time. And I think you always, you know, fair or otherwise, like, look, today is actually National Leadership Day. So happy National Leadership Day. Let's talk about the leadership in the NBA. Adam Silver, as commissioner, is supposed to be in charge of the NBA. I think he's far too player-friendly, as I've discussed before. I don't think he's as good of a commissioner as David Stern or even others like Roger Goodell right now. And I think part of what has happened in the NBA over the years with the load management, with people maybe tuning out from the sport, in large part, falls on the desk of Adam Silver, fair or otherwise. I would also say the same thing for the biggest star in the sport as well, that it falls on LeBron James as well. And that might not be fair, but you know, as I've heard it compared, it's a lot like a presidential term, where anything that happens always gets put at the feet of the president during their four years, even if it's not their fault, even if it's correlation and not causation, right? Anything that happens in this country, the price of gas goes up, whatever it might be. It might not technically be the president's fault, but that's who we're going to blame. 
just like it might not technically or directly be LeBron James's fault, but if something happens, if the sport changes under his quote-unquote watch as the star of the sport, we're going to give him the blame. And for the NBA, under Adam Silver and LeBron James, this is the trend the sport has moved in where they've shown to their fans they don't really care about the regular season. So why should you? They don't really care about the All-Star game. So why should you? And people have stopped tuning in the last couple of years. And when you look at LeBron James, great player. Don't know if he is a great leader. I think Michael Jordan was a good leader. I think during Jordan's run of the 90s, I mean, everybody was playing hard. His own teammates and the other teams in the league that wanted to beat him, including in all-star games. Even before that, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. You know, Magic Johnson played an all-star game when he had HIV. He had to retire, but that's how important it was that he wanted to be in that all-star game, back when the all-star game meant something 30 years ago. And it's like the old line from Machiavelli, which you rather, or, or uh, he would say, uh, is it better to be feared or loved? Or actually, I think he would say, it is better to be feared. I think he would answer. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. It is better to be feared than loved. And when it came to Michael Jordan, I think he was feared. I think Kobe Bryant had some of that as well, where Kobe was feared. But for LeBron, I think it's more about LeBron wanting to be liked. Michael Jordan didn't seem to care whether he was liked by somebody or not. He wanted to go out there and win. Kobe Bryant, I'd say the same idea. In fact, I don't think Kobe really was well-liked amongst his peers. Even a lot of fans, you either loved Kobe or you hated Kobe as a fan of the NBA. And LeBron James, I think, is someone who just wants to be liked by everybody, which kind of goes back to a conversation we were having last night where he's been known to lie about certain things. I think he's very concerned about his public perception. He's a guy that always turns it back into himself, right? finds ways to compliment himself, never takes any blame for things that do go wrong, doesn't take responsibility for coaches that seemingly were fired by him, only takes credit when things go well. That's not leadership. Puts out cryptic tweets from time to time, can be very passive-aggressive, leaves you guessing what he truly means or feels instead of being direct, uses guys along the way to build his legacy, just to spit him out on the other end. I don't think those are qualities of a leader. And he is a great player, best player we've had in the NBA since Jordan 25 years ago. But it's almost like the Peter Principle, where in business, right, the Peter Principle is that everybody eventually gets elevated to a position they're not qualified for. So you could have a great salesman, might not be a great sales director. Why? Because maybe he's not meant to be a leader. Really good at what he does, but not the best at leading others. And LeBron James, really good at what he does, great basketball player. I'd say the second best all time, but is he a great leader of other people or a leader of the sport? It's almost like being a parent. Right? We always hear this about parents where it's like you have to be a parent more than a friend. There's some parents who want to be liked by their kids or want to be friends with the kids. Sometimes you have to be a disciplinary, disciplinarian. And you can have those parents where one gets to be the fun parent, the other one gets to be the tough parent that disciplines the kid. And you always want to be the fun parent. You don't want to be the, the parent that's seen as the jerk that always has to do the tough stuff. But sometimes it calls for you being tough. You can't always worried about, uh, be worried about uh, being liked by your kids because you're a parent. You're not necessarily a friend. As you get older, you can have more of that friendly relationship, but you're raising kids. And for LeBron James, as the face of the NBA, I think he's a guy who is very 
overcome or worried with wanting to be liked by everyone involved, by the fans, maybe even the media, by other people in the league. And sometimes that doesn't always lead to being the best leader. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, guys like that didn't seem to care about that stuff. I would say even Larry Bird. I met Larry Bird before. He was a jerk. I don't think he cares. doesn't care about that stuff. But sometimes that makes for a better leader. I would compare it also, you know, I grew up as a big wrestling fan back in the 90s. Haven't watched wrestling very much the last 20 years, 25 years, but I used to watch it all the time in the 90s. Loved wrestling. My brothers and I, we were big wrestling guys. And growing up, we actually liked WCW at the time more than they used to be called WWF. And I even liked ECW more. And so WCW was leading the charge. They were winning what they were called the Monday Night Wars. Monday Night Nitro was outdrawing WWF's Raw on Mondays. WCW was doing better. But then WCW had a real downfall. So, you know, you had M- the NBA doing pretty well during, during Jordan's run. But then Jordan retired, and now you're looking for that new leader. And eventually, a few years later, LeBron comes into the league. He then becomes the star of the league pretty quickly. And again, when you're that star of the league, you're in charge of the leadership directly or indirectly. And in WCW, they were winning the wars. And then they brought in some bad leadership as well. And mostly it was a wrestler, Kevin Nash, who used to actually, when I lived in Florida, to also name drop, lived down the street from me. And Kevin Nash came in and uh, wasn't necessarily the, the best leader. And that was really the reason for WCW's downfall was because they just had poor leadership. And I also think the other comparison I would make is Kevin Nash had so much power given to him that he was able to book whatever would happen for WCW. And he would book himself in the biggest matches and he'd make himself the champion. And it really wasn't what was best for business. And so when LeBron was talking about his retirement over the weekend, he's a great player. And the NBA might see a bigger hit when LeBron does leave. But at the same time, it could open the door for some other guys in the league to try to step up and be those new faces of the NBA. An opportunity to expose some of the other stars in the NBA that are younger and maybe even more exciting at this point. LeBron's at the tail end of his career. Can't give it 100% every game. And there's a lot of good young talent under 30 years old still in the NBA. And it reminds me of the downfall of WCW where they were putting so much time into guys like Kevin Nash, Randy Savage at the end of his career, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and not developing the younger stars like Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero and whoever, Chris Jericho, guys who left to go to the WWF and had greater careers over there because they were given a greater opportunity. When you removed Kevin Nash and Hogan and whoever else, right, these older wrestlers that were kind of hanging on past their prime, and when they finally got out of the way, and you gave those other wrestlers an opportunity, you saw what they could do, the stars they could become. And they helped elevate WWF over WCW, eventually putting WCW out of business. I'm not telling you that LeBron's bad for the NBA, but I do think if and when he does retire, it does open that door for a lot of these other young faces to show what they can bring to the table, to show a lot of the different types of talented players that are in the NBA instead of just focusing on that one guy that's been leading the way for the last 20 years and now is towards the tail end of his career, is not still in his prime like when he was leading the charge just a few years ago. Coming up, 
There's an old cliche about the ultimate team sport we have in this country, but I don't think it's right, and I'll explain why next. It's Sports Map Tonight. is Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. I've always heard the cliche about one sport in particular being the ultimate team sport, but I don't think that's correct. And I'll explain why and explain what I mean here in just a moment. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow all across Sports Map Radio. Baseball is just about back. Pitchers and catchers have reported. And it's pretty crazy that we get our first spring training game on Thursday. Less than 48 hours. And it feels like baseball just ended. And I love baseball, and I'm not one of those who believes, you know, they should shorten the season or there's too many games. But it just, and I don't have to, you know, having baseball on every night would be great. But it just seems crazy. Like, the offseason's always so short. Feels like we just had the World Series. You turn around, oh, they're back at spring training. Baseball's back this week. In fact, right now on one of our screens here in studio, we have some random college baseball game on from this weekend. College baseball started up on Friday. And here we go again with another long baseball season, which, of course, I am looking forward to. always like having baseball. It's always nice to have baseball on in the background throughout the summer as you do various things. Or especially for us, we have to be here, you know, at night anyways. Nice to, uh, during the summer, you get some baseball games on, keep your company while we're all hanging out. But Mike Trout, star of the Angels and one of the bigger stars in baseball, was speaking to the media in his return there to spring training for the Angels this week as he showed up. And part of what Trout was saying was that he did have conversations this offseason with the ownership group of the Angels in hopes of trying to bring more talent into the Angels team. They did lose Otani this offseason, who went to the Dodgers. The Angels haven't been very good anyways during Mike Trout's career. And Trout, based off of what he told the media, said, you know, I've been working on it, trying to bring more talent in here because, of course, the guy wants to try to win. But here's more of what uh, Mike Trout said to the media as he arrived at spring training about staying with the Angels, trying to win with the Angels, not forcing a trade elsewhere. Here's what Trout said. I think the biggest thing right now is I think the easy way out is just ask for a trade. Um, You know, there might be a time. Maybe. Uh, I really haven't thought about this, but, uh, you know, when I signed that contract, I'm loyal. You know, I want to win the championship here. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's mainly. I think the the overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is bigger satisfaction bailing out and just taking the easy way out. So I think that's that's been my mindset. You know, maybe down the road if something's changed, but that's been my mindset ever since the trade speculations, you know, came up. So, so that's where I'm at. What would change? I mean, in theory, because it's... I don't, know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can't predict the future. I mean, you know, like I said, that, that's been my mindset. I think the, the the overall build of, you know, not getting to the playoffs and then finally that when it happens, I think that's, um, that's, that's bigger than if I just want to just get out of here. So, you know, I think the overall relationship with everything, everybody in this clubhouse, everybody in this organization, it's been great. Um, you know, if, if, if things change, obviously, um, and people feel a different way, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But right now, that's, that's how I feel. Mike Trout, as he met the media 
upon arrival at spring training this week for the Angels. Here's what I was thinking, though. You know, we always say the cliche is football is the ultimate team sport because theoretically you need everybody to be on the same page in order to have success, like just on a play-to-play basis. The quarterback can drop back to throw, but if the offensive line's not blocking for him, there's not much you can do. And then if the offensive line does block for him and the quarterback makes a good throw, but the wide receiver doesn't make the play, then again, right, everyone else kind of did their part, but one player of the 11 starters threw things out of whack, kept you from being able to execute. So just the idea of being the ultimate team game, everyone's got to be on the same page, play together, you all have to pull in the right direction to have success. Meanwhile, you look at other sports, basketball, you bring in one star, especially in the NBA, you bring in a LeBron James, changes everything. And that one star can take over a game, take over a team. Baseball, it feels so individual. You add guys to the lineup, they're not necessarily working with one another. Obviously, there's lineup protection, but once you're in that batter's box, like you're just trying to put on a good at-bat, and you could have an MVP like Alex Rodriguez in Texas with the Rangers, and they could still finish in last place. He could have a great season, doesn't matter. One guy does not make a big enough impact in baseball. Even a great starting pitcher only pitches every five days. You need the other starters to be good as well. Pedro Martinez was on, you know, great pitcher who was on some teams that weren't so great. So we've always had this cliche where football is the ultimate team sport. And from that sense, I get it. But I think overall, I think baseball actually is the ultimate team sport. And what I mean is that we look more towards the full team. You need more of a full team than an individual. Individual stars have the smallest impact probably in baseball. Because Mike Trout's a guy who has never won a playoff game before. Has only been to the playoffs once in his career. And by all accounts, is already an all-time great in the history of Major League Baseball. Yet has zero playoff success. And yet, I don't think we hold that against Mike Trout, the player. I think we hold it against the team. When you point out the fact that, hey, Mike Trout's never won a playoff game. You say, yeah, the Angels have done such a poor job. When in reality, look, the Angels are not well-operated. The Moreno family should sell that franchise, put them in better hands. But they have tried. They've given out a lot of money over the years. They've brought in all-stars. Guys like Albert Pujols, maybe it was too late in his career. Anthony Rendon, which, yeah, I know, turned out to be a bad contract. They did go get Otani. Obviously, they have Mike Trout. I mean, they've tried to bring guys in over the years. Hired uh, Joe Madden to come be the manager. Obviously, had Mike Sosha for a, a number of years. Good manager. You know, brought in uh, Brad Osmus. They've tried to do different things. It just hasn't worked. But we don't blame the players. We don't blame Otani. We don't blame Mike Trout. We don't say, ah, he can't win. Can't win big games. Can't win divisions. Can't win playoff games. Instead, we blame the team. But what happens in the NFL? What happens when Lamar Jackson can't get to a Super Bowl? Or Josh Allen, right, can't get to a conference championship game? Or whoever, Kirk Cousins even, Struggled for a long time to win a playoff game, or Peyton Manning way back when. We don't point to the team and say, well, you know, the defense isn't that great. Peyton Manning only has football half the time. Hard to blame him. No, we don't look at the team. We look at just the player. We look at the quarterback. We blame that player. We say Peyton Manning wasn't good enough to win the big game. Kirk Cousins, not big enough to win a big game. Dak Prescott. We even say it about coaches. Kyle Shanahan. Right? Not good enough to win the biggest games. And Shanahan's a little different, of course, because he's blown so many leads, so he's made his bed, and now he's lying in it. But when it comes to baseball, 
We don't point at the start. You know, Ted Williams only was in the playoffs one time his whole career. Ernie Banks never paid, never played a playoff game his entire career. These are all-time greats. Put them in the Hall of Fame. We never talk about it. We don't hold it against them. But we do hold it against Dan Marino that he never won a Super Bowl, even though Marino clearly was one of the all-time talents at the quarterback position. A lot of those years, maybe his team wasn't good enough. But it doesn't matter. We don't excuse Marino's lack of championships based off of the team like we do for baseball players. And I think, furthermore, when it comes to baseball players, they're not necessarily up in the biggest moments. So maybe that's why we cut them some more slack as well. Mike Trout does not necessarily come to the plate in the biggest at-bat of the game. He might not even get an at-bat in the ninth inning. Or Ted Williams before him, or Ernie Banks, or any other great. Uh, let's think of a pitcher. You know, for a long time, we always talked about Greg Maddox, those great Braves pitchers. Braves did not win enough World Series. Greg Maddox numbers weren't always the best in the playoffs. But Maddox wasn't necessarily getting the ball in Game 7, or even the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings of the final game of a series. Whereas in football, typically, not always, Josh Allen didn't get the ball in overtime a couple years ago against the Chiefs, but typically your stars have the ball in, your hand, in their hands for the biggest plays. Basketball especially. Coming down the home stretch, you get it in the hands of LeBron. If he can't make the plays, we hold it against him. And so I think that's another reason why we don't criticize the baseball stars as much as the stars of an NFL or NBA team. And so that's all to say that we always use this cliche, hey, football's the ultimate team sport. I think more so it's baseball in the sense that baseball is the sport where you need a team in order to win a full, well-rounded team more so than the other sports. Were the Chiefs truly the best team in the league this year or did they just have Patrick Mahomes? Right, uh, LeBron's the obvious one to point to. Are his teams always the best in the league or during his prime did they just have the best player that at least got them pretty far? Not always to championships, but always gave them a chance just because they had LeBron. But in baseball, you can have A-Rod in Texas as an MVP 20 years ago. You can have Mike Trout even paired with Otani for the Angels here in recent years. doesn't matter. You still need that full team. So as we get ready for another baseball season, I think it's time to adjust that, that cliche, that saying. Baseball is the ultimate team sport. It's the sport where you need the ultimate team more than others to actually win a championship. And for Mike Trout, in this current era where we're always ring counting, I do think he needs to have some sort of success. At least the way we talk about him now, right? You got to see him get to the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game. But ultimately, in regards to his legacy, I don't think we're holding against him. We usually don't for baseball guys. He'll go in the Hall of Fame. He'll be considered an all-time great, even if he never wins a playoff game his entire career. There's a lot of other great baseball players like that, too. Coming up, do the Cowboys have a culture problem? We'll talk about it next. Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow. You're listening to Sports Map tonight. Now back to your host, Luke Morrow. Do the Cowboys have a culture issue? Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow here all across Sports Map Radio. We'll catch up with Lee Steinberg next hour, who actually, speaking of the Cowboys, he was the agent of Troy Aikman. He's been the agent of many big names over the years and currently the agent of Patrick Mahomes after the latest Super Bowl victory for Mahomes. We'll talk with Lee Steinberg next hour. 
But speaking of, uh, you know, former Cowboys, such as Troy Aikman, I saw Emmett Smith was on Pro Football Talk Live with Chris Sims, Mike Florio, and he did about, it was like a 16-minute interview and spent most of the time really going in on the Cowboys. And you might not hear a lot of criticism of the Cowboys from former Cowboys. You know, Jerry Jones does a good job of keeping these guys close to the vest. Uh, they know where the bread is buttered, per se. But for someone like Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman at times as well, when you're a big enough star, I mean, you could say whatever you want. It's like in Curb Your Enthusiasm or Larry David just as the person himself. Like when, when you are that rich and successful and famous, like you could say whatever you want. You could do whatever you want. I mean, obviously within the laws. Although even then there's some loopholes. But yeah, like it doesn't matter. You don't care. And there's not going to be any fallback on you. And so Emmett Smith, he can speak his mind. He's Emmett Smith. What's going to happen to him? So Emmett Smith went on to the, the Pro Football Talk Live and, like I said, did about 16 minutes for most of the time. He was just ripping the Cowboys. Said they shouldn't have brought back Mike McCarthy. A lot of fiery clips. Here's one thing, though, that I thought stood out most from Emmett when talking about the current state of the Cowboys compared to years past when he played there back in the 90s. Here's just a snippet of what Emmett Smith said about Dallas. No one uh, wants to fight hard anymore. They want to, oh, we are the Cowboys. Tell me how good I am. Yeah, Tell yeah, me how I good I am. Right. Tell my Instagram post. <laughs> right. See me in on my podcast. <laughs> right. I'm doing all this oh, stuff. I'm oh. everything. Right. Uh. Without doing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and everybody's patting them on the back without doing anything. Right. People want to give them so much without doing nothing. Right. And what they're living off of is what happened in the past. Right. Not what's going down right now. They're not establishing their own legacy let alone building off of the legacy that was established. When I got to the Cowboys, I knew one thing. Yeah. I knew I could not disappoint Tony Dorsett uh, as a running back. Uh, and I knew I could not disappoint Robert Newhouse as right. a running back or Kevin Hill or let alone Bullet Bob Hayes. Right. Then I knew I could not disappoint Captain Comeback, Roger Starback, right. Ed Tutal Jones. I embraced the history of who we were. Because I loved them as a cowboy when I was a kid myself. So when I got there, it's like, shoot, we yeah. ain't going to be one in 15. Right. My mind was already on that. And I knew Michael mine was on it. Yeah. Jimmy mine had to be on yeah. it. Referencing Michael Irvin and Jimmy Johnson there at the end, as that was Emmett Smith talking about the Cowboys. By the way, we could replay that clip, turn it into a drinking game, take a drink anytime somebody said something after an Emmett Smith comment, such as right. It's always a pet peeve of mine. Just let the guy talk. You don't have to interject after every phrase of their answer, but I digress. Uh, Emmett Smith, though, in regards to what he said, two things stand out. First, the last part he said. Like, I think that's fairly common now with a lot of guys. I remember Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants when he said uh, this was just last year, not this past season, but last year, 2022, when Jeff Saturday was the interim head coach of the Colts. And Thibodeau's like, oh, who's Jeff Saturday? You know, I think there's a lot of guys in the league now that don't necessarily know the history of the league prior or even their own franchises in prior years. And I don't know if it's because of money and free agency that you don't feel the same connection to that team because you might just leave after a couple of years or it is so cutthroat that they could just cut you or trade you. So why get connected to that team that drafts you or that you start your career with because you might not be there your whole career? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's guys that just weren't students of the game in the sense of the actual professional league and the history before it. 
or just maybe not everyone grew up as as big of a fans as people like you and myself who always studied the past of these sports. Maybe because they were just so good, they were out there just playing, or because of their ability, like they were just into it because they were good. I don't know the reasons. But I think that's somewhat of a common thing with a lot of athletes now. And the Thibodeau example is just the only one that comes to mind off the top of my head. But there's a lot of cases in recent years of football players not necessarily knowing those that came before them. And so I do think that's part of the modern athlete nowadays. Where Emmett Smith referenced, like when he went to the Cowboys, the legacy of that star and the history and the names before him. And maybe that's just lip service. That's what he's saying now in 2023 or 2024, actually. But we have to take him at face value. You know, but when you show up to a team like that, you know the history. You grew up watching those guys. You looked up to those players. They were legends. You have a bunch of Hall of Famers in that franchise's history. And you want to continue to honor those guys or the franchise or the name on the jersey, which also circles back to the conversation we were having last night about the All-Star game, which I think over the years we've lost that honor for athletes or that pride, where it was just about professional pride of going out there and doing your best in the case of an All-Star game or going out there and just playing, putting your heart on the line just simply for the name on the front of the jersey because you were a Dallas Cowboy. Or you took pride in being a Pittsburgh Steeler, or whatever it might be. And again, I don't know if it's because of the amount of movement that goes on now at free agency and trades and whatever else that you don't feel that same connection. But I do think that's an aspect of the sports nowadays. But I do want to focus more so on the first part of what Emmett Smith was saying, because I think that's the main takeaway. And I do think he's taking a not-so-subtle shot, specifically at somebody like Micah Parsons, who has his own podcast and does his podcast throughout the year and puts out a lot of clips. And I think when he does... He does so looking for that attention. I think that's the point of hosting a podcast like that as a current professional athlete and doing so throughout the year. And I think what Emmett's kind of driving at is that the current players are almost resting on the laurels of the previous Dallas Cowboys success and cashing in on the brand of the Cowboys, not based off of what they're doing now, but what was done in the past. And almost like using the Cowboys more for their own brand instead of trying to build up the Cowboys brand themselves. Like, uh, who was it? Was it Richard Nixon? We just had President's Day yesterday. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Was that the line? Similar idea with the Cowboys, where these players now are trying to see what the Cowboys can do for them and their brand, as opposed to what they can do for the Cowboys and the team's brand, try to elevate them, help them, you know, the franchise win championships, get them back to the Dallas Cowboys they once were. Here was Micah Parsons on the Stephen A. Smith podcast, oddly enough, talking about the change in culture that they need in Dallas. Here's what Parsons said. To me, I just want to pull that aside. I just want to play winning football. I want, to, I want everybody to be accountable. I want everybody locked in. I want, you know, and... What I hear is Zimmer's one of them guys is going to have everybody accountable. I looked at all his press, I mean, his press conference quotes. I just want a fresh start, man. I just want to change the culture. I didn't who Dallas Cowboys and won the championship. He was referencing Mike Zimmer, new defensive coordinator, and his press conference and his comments made and how he believes Zimmer is someone who will hold everyone accountable. But I think Parsons is kind of the poster child of what Emmett Smith is talking about with his various podcasts throughout the year. 
a guy who's been in the league, very good player, no doubt, but has been in the league for three years. We played that one clip a couple weeks ago where he said, like, I've been in the league. I've seen everything. It's like it's only been three years. Let's relax. But I think somebody who's trying to use that Cowboys brand to build up his own through the use of other media. And when you go back and you look at the Cowboys, I think when they had their most success under Jerry Jones, that is, it was with Troy Aikman as the quarterback, who Troy Aikman was one of those guys did not have to be the star, did not mind handing the football off a bunch and being a bit of a game manager. You look at Troy Aikman now in the broadcast booth. Some people might think he's boring. I think he's really good. But he doesn't have some sort of big personality. He's not a hot take guy. He just seems to be well prepared. You know, kind of that straight-edge broadcaster. And I think has always done a really good job with Troy, uh, with uh, Joe Buck in the booth. You look at, for example, a quarterback that came after him in Tony Romo, who was more of that star, going on vacation during like the bye week with Jessica Simpson and dating all the other stars, and now this big personality in the broadcast booth and kind of more about me or the attention on Romo, where Aikman, just kind of the straight guy. And nowadays with the Cowboys, look, Dak Prescott probably does lean more towards a Troy Aikman than a Tony Romo in that idea. But some of the other players, whether it's Parsons with the podcast, but some of the other guys that are using maybe that Cowboys name for more attention on themselves as opposed to bringing more attention to the Cowboys with just the play on the field. You can go find the full conversation, though, from Emmett Smith as uh, he took a bit of a blowtorch to the current state of the Cowboys. And when we come back on the other side, we'll hear from Jimmy Johnson as well, of course, legendary coach of the Cowboys, as he's kind of back in the fold now with Dallas trying to help them as they try to move forward. We'll also get to the wrap when we come back. Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow, all across Sports Map Radio. Broadcasting live from the SportsMap Radio studios, it's SportsMap Tonight with Luke Morrow. SportsMap Tonight with Luke Morrow, here all across SportsMap Radio. Let's talk about the Cowboys' last segment and uh, the culture problem that they might have there in Dallas as they try to get back to their roots. Jimmy Johnson went on Miami Radio this week and actually revealed that him and Jerry Jones, after that ring of honor, moment, induction, that they've uh, made peace with one another. And Jimmy Johnson's back in the fold, apparently, as they try to get back to those winning ways. Here's what Jimmy Johnson said this week on Miami Radio about helping out the Cowboys again. Since the Ring of Honor, Jerry and I, man, I'm on his advisory board now. <laughs> We're talking on the phone. I, I talked to him about an hour after his Green Bay loss and you know, he's talking about what all he needed to do because he's got had big decisions on Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and Dak Prescott, but everything's hunky dory now. So I'm I'm back in the fold with the Cowboys. Maybe that'll help Dallas try to turn some things around as they welcome back Jimmy Johnson. Hey, you can always text the show three four six two nine eight one two six zero. My guy Lou in agreement about those who butt in during the interviewees' responses. Before we get to the wrap, Charles, do me a favor. Cue up that Emmett Smith clip again and leave my microphone on. And let's count the amount of interruptions. That clip is only about a minute long, maybe just over a minute. If you're drinking at home, only if you're at home, be careful. As long as you're already at your destination, 
We could turn it into a drinking game. Let's count the amount of times Emmett gets interrupted, or not necessarily interrupted, but someone's interjecting during Emmett Smith's answer. All right, let's play along. Let's see. No uh, one wants to fight hard anymore. They want to right there. Oh, we are the Tell me how good Two. I am. Ten. I knew I could not disappoint Tony Dorsett huh. as a running back. Eleven. Huh. I knew I could not disappoint Robert Newhouse as right. a running back. Thirteen. Or Kevin Hill. Or let alone Bullet Bob Hayes. Right. Fourteen. Then I knew I could not disappoint Captain Comeback. Roger Starback. Right. Fifteen. Two tall Jones. I embraced the history of who we were because I loved them as a cowboy when I was a kid myself. So when I got there, it's like, shoot, we yeah. ain't going to be one 16, of right. 17. My mind was already on that. And I knew Michael mind was on it. Yeah. Jimmy mind had it. 18? 18. And that doesn't even count, like, the consistent laughter early on. Which, sure, I mean, like, you can laugh during an answer if someone, you know, so they say something funny. And we cut the clip there because then they actually cut him off and interrupt him and start making some other comment. But that clip's, what, like 60, 70 seconds, something like that? 18? 18 comments made under the breath? Well, Emmett Smith answers a question. Just let the guy talk. It's a pet peeve. Good thing it wasn't a drinking game. <laughs> You're showering with your clothes on at this point. <laughs> yeah. You'd have finished a whole drink and then some by now. Hey, if you ever miss anything from the show, such as that clip the first time, you can always go back, find the entire show on demand. Search Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow wherever you listen to your podcast. Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow to find the entire show on demand. I'm sure I have crutches as well, not necessarily in interviews, that you could turn into a drinking game too. Certain times I say certain things throughout the evening. I don't know what those necessarily would be, but I'm sure there's a drinking game. That, like, just like they did in How I Met Your Mother with uh, Robin's character who's on the news, and they would all watch the news in the morning, and any time she said a certain phrase, they would all have to take a drink, and they're all getting hammered before, like, 9 a.m. watching Robin on the news. Anyways, good show back in the day. Hey, at the end of each hour, we always put a wrap on things. Charles will ask me some questions. I try to answer them. And it's time now, here at the end of hour one, to put a wrap on things. At least to wrap up this hour. All right. What do we got? All right. So earlier we were talking about leadership. Mm-hmm. And happy leadership day to everybody. Yes. So with that being said, following that idea of leadership, can things fall to the second guy? Is, any, is there any responsibility to bear there? Uh, just to throw out some names for the NBA's history. Mm-hmm. Of course, Matt Magic and Larry Bird. Uh, you can go Jordan Isaiah Thomas. You can go Hakeem Olajuwon. You can go Kareem even before them. Um, and I guess at this point, you can also, well, even before then, Tim Duncan, Kobe. Mm-hmm. After that, you can probably go LeBron, Steph Curry. Is there any responsibility that falls at the feet of the number two guy? Yeah, it's a fair point, and I agree. I think I would say Curry's the number two. Yeah, I would say so. I do think they share some of the responsibility. I think you could even branch out as well beyond number two. You know, like uh, X number of stars. Anyone that's a big-time star, maybe a superstar in the league. But I will say, 
the further you move away, like almost like um, if you were to draw a bunch of circles, a circle inside of circle and, and so forth, the further you move away from that number one spot, I do think there's less responsibility because theoretically you probably have less power as well. Just like a business structure. Like you'll have your boss. You might have, let's just say, the president of a company. Then you'll have the vice president. And then you might have, I don't know, the GM. I'm used to baseball where that's kind of the structure. And so they all have a responsibility in the success of the company or the team. They'll all have responsibility uh, as well. But obviously, the higher up you go on the top, like the more power they have and therefore more responsibility. So my point in all this is that, yes, somebody like Steph Curry might deserve some of that blame or bear some of that responsibility as well. And the further you branch out to, like right now, maybe you could say a Giannis, even though he's an international player, you know, maybe a Jokic, guys of that nature, Joel Embiid maybe. But the further you move away from the very top of that pyramid, the less responsibility they hold and the less power they have as well. So that's why LeBron is the top dog. Therefore, more falls on his plate than anybody else. And I think he holds more power. He is King James, after all, holds more power than anybody else. But in terms of the actual question, to answer the question directly, yes, I do agree. I do believe that even Steph Curry is somewhat responsible in all of this. And he's not a very vocal leader in the sense of like calling guys out or making sure there is a competitive game Sunday night in the All-Star game. That's not really his style either. He's not like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant from the past. So yeah, he does hold some responsibility in all this as well. But I don't think anybody will be as high or as important in that area as a LeBron James. All right, next question. So we're talking about the Cowboys. And do they have a culture problem? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to list off some teams to you. Mm-hmm. And you tell me, as a fan, which culture would you rather be stuck in? Okay, I like it. All right. So first team's up. Cowboys or the Steelers? I would definitely rather be the Steelers. Uh, I think much better culture there in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. Okay, okay. I, my, I thought you were adding on. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. So, okay. No, I, think, I don't no, think it needs team. an explanation between those two. I think clearly Pittsburgh. All right, all right. Uh, next team's up. Browns, Jacksonville. Oh. Browns or Jacksonville? I think Kevin Stefanski is doing a pretty good job in Cleveland, but with Jimmy Haslam being the owner. I mean, they again, I talked about this last week. They made the playoffs with five quarterbacks. And then fired their entire offensive staff after that year. I, I don't get that. So I think Jimmy Haslam's a lousy owner. The Browns don't have a lot of history. But Jacksonville, I don't know how great their ownership is. They have a lot of other interests. I mean, they brought in Urban Meyer. That was a mess. That is a that's a tough one. Um, oof. I'm going to say Jacksonville in the sense that you have Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl before. And maybe it's unfair, but I just... I don't really like Deshaun Watson. I don't really look at Deshaun Watson the same way after all the off-the-field stuff. I don't hold his character in the same regard, and he's your star quarterback. So for those reasons, if I had to choose, I think I'd say Jacksonville. Dolphins, Chargers. Well, definitely would have been the Dolphins this past year, but now that Harbaugh's in L.A., I, I, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but just based off of his track record, I think I'm going to go with the Chargers. I mean, Mike, Dan- Mike uh, McDaniel, I think, has a pretty good culture there as well. I think maybe he could be a little tougher on those Dolphins guys. They did not like Vic Fangio, who apparently was too tough. They ran him out of town after a year. 
as the defensive coordinator. I think Harbaugh will do a better job, so I'll say moving forward, I'd take the Chargers. Broncos, Denver. I'm going to hope. Broncos or Buffalo? Oh, um, ooh, it's another tough one. Uh, I'll say Buffalo, and I know I'm really hard on Sean McDermott, and I don't think he's a guy that's going to lead him to a Super Bowl. Uh, I might second guess that, but I'm going to say I'm going to stick with Buffalo. I don't really feel great with either. Maybe over time, Sean Payton, but I don't really like what Sean Payton did coming in, criticizing the prior coach, criticizing the quarterback, always very smug. He's very know-it-all, ruffled the feathers with local media. That's a tough one. I wish I had more time, but I'll take the bills for now. Hey, let's talk about the best team in college basketball when we come back. Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow.